This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seibin, and it's time for your weekly wrap-up. And somebody said I wasn't doing enough hand motions here that eventually it might just fade away. So I will uh, over-exaggerate for you this morning to make sure that we stay consistent here on this show. So I do want to begin first, as we always do, by thanking our newest Patreon supporters. We have Get Schwifty, Michael Granado, and Alex uh, Shanilak. I want to thank all of them for their participation on the Patreon, as well as everyone who's been contributing on a regular basis, as well as all of you who watch on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. And this week's wrap-up is being brought to you by AFTVNews.com and its proprietor, Elias Saba, who runs the site. And uh, this site covers everything and anything about the Amazon ecosystem, including content as well as hardware. He does a lot of in-depth looks on all the Amazon tablets and TV boxes. So if you're trying to get more out of them, uh, definitely a great site to check out. He's also the person behind the downloader app on Fire TV that allows you to sideload Android APKs very effortlessly. And we covered that one uh, here on the channel a few weeks ago. That app is now available for Android TV as well. And in a future uh, ad here in this uh, spot, we're going to show you how that app works also. So lots of good stuff here on AFTV News. And what's funny about this site is that uh, he got started around the same time I did because I reviewed one of the first Amazon TV boxes and then I sold it through my store and he bought one and started his site uh, from reviewing that particular item. So we've got a real connection here and we're growing together. Uh, definitely a great site to check out and I do appreciate his support. So this week on the Extras channel, I unboxed a bunch of stuff that you're going to be seeing on the main channel later this week. Uh, the Asus Vivo book down there is a fanless Apollo Lake laptop and we'll be getting that one up probably tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that and later in the week, we'll be looking at a remote control car and a projector. Uh, but we also did some big reviews on the main channel, a lot of lengthy stuff this week. So we had that $32 Android box that is now part of my 2017 DVR project series because I could get uh, this little box with a remote control for around $32, and it works really well with my HD home run DVR setup. So this might be a less expensive option uh, versus the Raspberry Pi that we were talking about before. So that's pretty cool. We looked at the WD MyCloud Home Duo. It's a new WD MyCloud product from WD. And we'll be talking about that more in a little bit here. And we also looked at the new tech Connect Spark. And this is a great box that allows me to plug in an HDMI signal into it. And then I can uh, get that video transported over to my TriCaster here over my Ethernet network or Wi-Fi. It is such a liberating device for me here because it's another thing that uh, makes my life easier. I've got a pretty big space down here and I can't get my HDMI cables to reach across the room unless I uh, move everything over to where those cables end up. And now I don't have that limitation anymore because I can just plug my cameras into this box and uh, shoot them all back here via the network. So I might be starting to mess around with my chroma key a little more now that I have the flexibility here. So really fun stuff. And uh, check out the review if you want to see how it works. It also works with open source software like OBS and many, many other uh, streaming applications as well. So it's not just for TriCast. I did want to touch briefly, though, on some responses to the WD MyCloud Home and the 
entire time that I was uh, evaluating the product and doing the review, I fully expected to get uh, the sampling of responses that you see here. This is definitely not a product for people that uh, really are enthusiasts or people who want more flexibility in uh, network sharing because this thing is really locked down and uh, designed for a consumer to install the software and plug the hardware in and just have it working for them without a lot of complexity. But for those of us who'd like to have that control, this certainly is not the product for us. But uh, that's why WD and other manufacturers make NAS devices that are a lot more flexible. And I found with the WD MyCloud, because that was one of the first products that I reviewed here on the channel once I started to grow, I got a lot of questions in from consumers about why doesn't it work the same way in my house as it does when I'm out of my house. And uh, this device solves that problem, but of course it creates other issues in the process for enthusiasts. So I think their uh, target here is purely on uh, consumers who want a turnkey solution, uh, not those of us who are techies. So what's funny about this video is that uh, the initial reaction from all of you is not so good, but I think over time as more consumers who are searching for information on this product discover the video, I think we'll see more positive responses from them because it really is an easy product to use and I found it to be uh, something that my mom could probably get installed and figure out. And that's usually the test that I apply to a lot of this stuff is that if it's too complicated for my mom or my dad to use, it's probably going to be hard for general consumers to adopt as well. This one does feel like it's easier. It does uh, need some things added to it, specifically the ability to back it up, which doesn't exist at the moment. But I think over time, they'll add those features in. And I think it's actually a pretty decent NAS for, again, a general consumer, but uh, not those of us who are techies. But I thought I would just give you a, a little update as to what my current NAS setup is. So uh, right now, I am running with a uh, Synology 416 Plus, I believe it is. I've been running this thing for about two and a half, three years now. It works great. Uh, that is where I store all of my data. I do back it up both to an external hard drive as well as over to uh, Amazon S3 with their hyper backup system. So that's been working out really well. Uh, full disclosure, by the way, Synology and WD are occasional sponsors here on the channel. But for media serving, I'm using that WDPR2100 that I've been covering in my DVR series. That thing's been working exceptionally well for uh, the, that purpose, which is serving media via Plex as well as running my HD Home Run DVR. Uh, so I figured I would kind of separate uh, the two devices, you know, have one be work and data, the other one be media, and it's been working very well. The big problem I see with NAS devices right now is that their uh, speeds are largely limited by the speed of the network we have running in our homes. So usually most of us have a gigabit network, and that's about it. Uh, so I'm really eager to see consumer 10 gigabit gear start to make its immersion onto the marketplace so we can start testing more with it. Because right now it's kind of limited in that I can use my NAS devices to store data or playback media, uh, but I can't edit video from my NAS device, for example, because a gigabit just isn't enough for uh, the kind of video that I process here and the kind of video that my uh, part-time helper is doing as well. So hopefully uh, we'll see some 10 gigabit stuff over the next year and we'll definitely be covering that uh, as we find more consumer uh, solutions out on the marketplace. I also wanted to do a quick follow-up on the Tanx box also because one of the things that I complained about with this particular box, and it's an issue that uh, most of these cheap Android boxes have, is that uh, they run with essentially the tablet version of Android. All of the apps that you install see it as a tablet and not as a TV box. And I did get in this helpful note from uh, Raymond Black, who suggested that at least in Plex, there is a way to force it to the TV layout versus the tablet layout. Uh, so let's do that real quick and see how it works. So what he says you have to do here is go up to the uh, hamburger menu and click on that. 
Uh, go over to settings, which is a little lower on the screen here. So let's scroll down to that and click on settings. And uh, he said this uh, option was in the experience setting, but it's actually in general, uh, which is application layout. So right now it is set to mobile, which is what it would use for a, a phone or a tablet. But if I click on TV here, uh, that will change the layout to uh, this uh, TV layout once it reboots here. So let's let the app reload. And uh, when we come back, we should see a new interface. And here we go. It looks like we've got a new interface now on the same box, which is pretty cool. Uh, the problem, though, is that I have now lost the ability to browse the DVR stuff. This DVR recordings is actually the uh, folder where I store my DVR recordings, not the actual Plex DVR system. So it looks like you'll still need a uh, regular Android TV device, at the moment at least, to use the DVR feature with Plex or uh, set this one back into tablet mode to get access to that feature. I believe at the moment the uh, Plex DVR is only on the true Android TV devices as well as on the Amazon Fire TV. Those have a different TV interface than uh, what I'm seeing here. But if you do want a TV interface and are not using the Plex DVR for uh, live TV watching, uh, this will probably work and it's probably easier to navigate than what you saw in my review. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 29 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I had a couple of uh, channel-related updates for you. Uh, the first is that we're going to hit 150,000 subscribers this week, which is a great milestone to achieve. So that is exciting. I'm seeing a little bit of an uptick in subscribers coming into the channel, about 100 a day now, give or take, which is really great to see. Uh, traffic overall, as far as views are concerned, have been uh, moving above the 1 million mark again. So I'm very pleased with uh, the monthly viewership as well. And we've got a few other things happening here on the channel too. And I wanted to give you a, a little bit of an update on some sponsors coming on soon. I don't think I can tell you who they are just yet, but uh, we will have probably a, a sponsor a week on uh, the channel with some kind of sponsored content. And again, I'm going to try to make this entertaining and or interesting or both. I'm trying not to turn this into an infomercial channel, but uh, there's some cool stuff on the horizon here that I think will actually be kind of fun to uh, talk about. And in one case, it'll be a very informative discussion on uh, security. So we've got some cool things coming up with sponsored content. But again, I'm going to be uh, trying to keep this uh, valuable content for you all. So I would love to get feedback once those sponsored posts start coming out, uh, what you think of them. So we'll have Plex this month as well, or next month, as well as two other ones as well. So stay tuned. Uh, more to come. But again, I really need your feedback to make sure we're doing this the right way. And in the news this week, there were a couple of stories that caught my eye, security-related ones. Uh, the first involves the CCleaner malware. Now, if you haven't heard about this, apparently there was an update to the CCleaner software. It's a PC utility. And inside of that update, uh, hackers got in and installed some malware that would execute when anyone updated this software. This is a very uh, widely used piece of software. It's installed uh, on over 700,000 PCs. Uh, but it really didn't do anything on most of them. However, if you see here from this Ars Technica article, uh, there were a list of domains here. And if the computer was running behind one of these domains, uh, there was a second stage payload that was then executed that did more stuff. And then there was apparently a third stage that uh, could install more software that was completely undetectable. Really sophisticated piece of software here. Uh, so bad that they recommend if you have this on your computer that you should just wipe it out and start all over again with a format. You can check out 
uh, this article here at lon.tv slash cc malware to read more about it because if you know somebody that's using this software and updated it recently, there's a very good chance they have this infection. Apparently, uh, it went undetected for like 20 or 30 days. It's kind of scary just how uh, people can sneak this stuff in without anyone really noticing, and it makes you wonder what else is going on out there. Another story, which was closer to home for me, was that uh, Connecticut, my home state, was notified that the Russians tried to infiltrate our online voter registration system here, and the local NBC affiliate had me on to talk about this. So you can check out uh, that story at the link down below to see what I had to say. And now it's time for some Q&A, and our first question here comes in from Pedro Vaca about my Extras channel, and he's wondering why I decided to split my views. He doesn't feel like the Extras channel is ever going to be as big as the main channel, and uh, why didn't I just put everything at one place? Because people will like what I do no matter uh, what it is. And that's probably true, but I'm looking at this from two perspectives. One is I don't want to load up my uh, main channel with unproduced content. So I really consider an unboxing or some kind of supplementary content uh, not a, a true representation of what I do. It's kind of a quick hit thing. The unboxings I know a lot of you enjoy, and I just started doing them because a lot of you liked watching it. But not everybody likes to watch unboxings, and I think it would muddy up this channel if I had a bunch of produced stuff mixed in with a bunch of things that I shot with my phone. And as YouTube becomes more algorithmically based, I think it needs to uh, have consistency in the things that it's looking at uh, on each channel. So this channel is a long-form review channel, whereas the Extras channel is short-form, uh, low-production quality, uh, supplementary content, quick-hit things with a little less predictability. So that was why I kind of split the things up. And the reason why I did it was I was reviewing a bunch of items that required me to start shooting some additional footage with it. So for example, if I was reviewing a camera, uh, having footage from that camera uh, being uploaded so people could see a nice long image sample more than I could put into the review. Or uh, in the case of perhaps one of those emulation consoles that we look at, running footage of that console somewhere so people can watch a you know, good four or five minutes worth of, of footage from something that I was reviewing. And what I found was that if I uploaded a video and then put uh, that footage in right next to it, it would really confuse the algorithm, but also viewers to upload two videos at the exact same time, especially because if I reference that video in the review, uh, that supplementary content needs to be there. So what I used to do was upload it as something that was unlisted. So it wouldn't be searchable. It wouldn't show up on your feed. But if you were watching the main review, you could click over and see it. However, as you all know, I'm very much focused on search engine results. And uh, nobody was able to find that content if they were searching for game footage from the FPGA-based game console, for example. So I decided that, you know what, let's start a second channel where I can put that stuff, make it searchable. And if people really like what I'm doing, they can subscribe to me in both places and get uh, the best of both worlds, essentially. And what's been nice about the Extras channel is that it's also uh, been a nice promoter of what I do here. Because if somebody's looking for uh, something on the WV My Cloud Home, for example, uh, they can watch the unboxing, a very limited commitment of time, and then if they really wanted more information, they could click over and uh, see my main review. So I'm able to pick up a lot of search traffic there. So those are some of the reasons why I do it. And what's nice about the Extras channel is that it's been very helpful for me to get an idea as to what you all are interested in. And I look at uh, the comments and the view counts that I get from those things. So the WD My Cloud Home was a great example of a product that got probably over a thousand views for just the unboxing with a lot of comments about what people were looking for in the main review. And it's really helpful for me to have that 
uh, separated out over there. So I'm never going to uh, focus more on that channel than this one. It's kind of a uh, just a place where things go, but it's been a very useful tool. We're almost at 5,000 subscribers there, and the viewership is doing pretty well on it too. And it uh, really doesn't require a lot of effort for me to maintain, and uh, that's why there are two channels. And Richard Schnatterly writes in with a great question about buying a smartphone from overseas and using it here in the United States. And he's looking at a few phones, probably at GearBest or some other site, and those phones say they support the 2100 megahertz band. Uh, so why wouldn't that work with AT&T's LTE network? And unfortunately, it likely won't, even if it supports the right frequency, because you also have to look at the band numbers that it supports. And I'll show you what I mean by that right here. So here's a great example of a typical listing on GearBest. This is a really cool looking phone. You'd be uh, the talk of the town walking around with this bezel-less phone that you got for 160 bucks with four gigs of RAM and 64 gigs of storage. What a deal but it won't work on most cellular networks here in the U.S. Now, when you start going through the description for the product, uh, usually they put these numbers up in front of you first, and you can see here it supports a lot of different frequencies at LTE. However, there's more to the story than just the frequencies. You gotta look for the bands that it supports. So as you go further down the description page here, you'll see that this Blue Boo phone supports uh, band one, band 20, band three, and band 38 at these different frequencies. Now, what I did is I went over to uh, Wikipedia and they've got a great chart that shows you each of the major US carriers and the frequencies and the bands that they support on their particular networks. And what we can do with this chart is match it up to uh, what we have with uh, the listing here from GearBest. So if we take a look at AT&T and the frequencies and bands it supports, uh, none of them uh, will match up with what we have down here on the list. So this thing will not even be able to make a phone call uh, here in the U.S., let alone use data, unless, you, of course, you uh, connect this thing up to Wi-Fi or something like that. Uh, what I found here is the only network this phone will work with uh, is T-Mobile at 2G speed. So uh, right now in the U.S., T-Mobile, 1900 megahertz GSM, uh, is supported on this phone. So you can make a phone call with T-Mobile on their 2G network, but you won't be able to use any data. Your only hope here uh, is to connect it up with Wi-Fi. So when you are shopping for a phone, uh, go in and look at all the bands that it supports because there's a good chance when you go to this chart here, uh, it is not going to work with the carrier you're hoping to connect it with, at least if you're buying it from overseas. And this last question I wanted to get some feedback on because a bunch of people have been writing to me about this e-electronics laptop that apparently has a GeForce 1050 Ti graphics card and comes in at a very, very low price. And and when you click over to their site here, let it load up again here, uh, you'll see that it is a pretty low price for a 1050 Ti based laptop until you start looking at the fine print here. So uh, as you can see here, right off the bat, there is no processor installed on the laptop for the $500 price point. You do get the GPU, uh, but no CPU. So we can, of course, uh, go ahead and put in the dual core Pentium processor here. It's a pretty low end processor, but that of course adds some uh, price to the mix here. Uh, we probably need a Windows license if we wanna keep it uh, compatible with uh, some of the other laptops or comparable to some of the other laptops that we have looked at. Uh, there is a no dead pixel guarantee, which we can maybe forego here if we're not looking to uh, do that. Uh, we can put in uh, eight gigs of DDR4 RAM for another 50 bucks. We probably need a SSD. Maybe we'll put in a, a low end 128 gigabyte drive just to get something going there. And then I can leave the rest of the stuff blank. Now with the one year warranty, uh, we're up to 779.95. And if we went so far as to put in the i5 processor, like we've seen on, I think a Lenovo machine we looked at that came in just around the same price, 
uh, you can see here it's not as great of a deal as it might appear on the surface. So I'm just curious if uh, any of you have bought this thing or if I'm missing something because it doesn't seem like a great deal once you start uh, putting everything together. I suppose if you have a Pentium processor laying around somewhere and know how to install it into a laptop, you might be able to uh, get yourself a nice bare bones kit to play with here, but I have not found mobile processors to be as uh, readily accessible as you might be able to get on a desktop computer. But again, I just wanted to get some feedback from all of you as to whether or not I'm actually missing something here or if this is indeed a good deal. Let me know down in the comments below. And my Q&A for you this week involves the upcoming CES 2018 show that will be happening in Las Vegas. I plan on going once again. And I'd love to get your feedback as to how you felt the coverage went last year because uh, I did something different than I did the prior time that I went. So the first time I went, I produced about 45 videos, me talking to different brands and everything. Uh, on the second trip, I did more of a, a vlog-style dispatch kind of thing where I showed you the things that I thought were interesting and I uh, did most of the narration rather than bringing in brands to talk to me. So uh, you can see my CES content link down below and you can take a look at it and uh, let me know what you'd like to see for the upcoming year and some of the things that I might want to look for uh, while I am out there. The show is absolutely enormous. I do like to spend a lot of time in uh, one section of the show designed for uh, the smaller companies to show off their wares. And then we'll, of course, do uh, a tour of the big brands as well. But definitely leave me your comments down there, and I can uh, use that as I'm starting to plan out my trip for January. And our channel of the week this week is one that I stumbled across the other day called Nintendrew. And uh, he did a piece where he covered the five lost Nintendo games that you can play right now. In fact, he's got a small series of uh, videos where he covers some prototype games that never saw the light of day but have been imaged into ROM files and made available uh, to the community to play in emulation or on flash cartridges or something like that. I love these kinds of stories and he does a very nice job of compiling things and uh, showing you what you might have missed way back in the 80s that you can now uh, play and he's got some other content related to Nintendo as well. Another underappreciated channel at only 38,000 subscribers but maybe a few of you might want to check him out and add yourself to the number. So this week we've got a bunch of stuff on the horizon including two more Apollo Lake based laptops that Asus Vivo book I've been talking about as well as the new Acer Swift that uh, comes in with an IPS display yet costs under uh, $400. I think it's like 330 bucks or something. So we'll be taking a look at both of those. We've got the BenQ projector here which is designed for home theaters on a budget at 1080p. So we'll be uh, testing it out with some movies and whatnot and of course a bunch of other stuff too. Now if you want to help the channel you can. You can go to lon.tv slash Patreon and make a monthly contribution to the channel. We also have the tip jar set up at lon.tv slash tip jar for a one-time contribution. If you're overseas or just like PayPal you can go via PayPal to lon at lon.tv and of course we have our ongoing relationship with Plex so you can sign up for a free Plex account and we'll get a commission for you doing that. No credit card required. Or you can gift a Plex Pass to somebody else at lon.tv slash Plex Gift. And as I mentioned during the Q&A this week, we have more than just this channel. We have the Extras channel for unboxings and supplementary content. We have the podcast feed at lon.tv slash podcast for audio versions of this show and the interviews that I do from time to time. We have my Snippets channel at lon.tv slash snippets and my Vidme channel at lon.tv slash Vidme where I upload a lot of the extras channel content too. And of course, we've got my live streams that are archived at lon.tv slash live streams and I hope to do uh, more with those in the near future. I do ask if you are into what I'm doing to click on the notification bell so you can get notifications pushed to your devices every time I upload a new video, which is quite frequently. And of course, 
We've got other ways to engage as well. My email list at lon.tv slash email, the Facebook page at lon.tv slash Facebook, and my store where I sell things that I've reviewed here on the channel at really good prices usually. So I've got some stuff that's been sitting there for two or three weeks or so. So I want to clear out that inventory and start bringing on some more things to get you some good deals on. So if you don't like the price, write to me. Maybe I will take a lower offer. I'm always open to negotiation. And we, of course, have the store alert set up. So if you are waiting for an item to be listed, uh, you can sign up here. And every time I make a change to the store, I send out an email to let you know that I did. About 100 people have signed up for this so far. So uh, get those mouse clickers ready. And that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. As always, I do appreciate all of your feedback and commentary and other uh, things that you keep sending my way. Please keep it coming. I greatly appreciate uh, everyone who supports this channel. Even if it is just watching a video every once in a while, it does make a difference. And I want to thank you all for helping me uh, grow this thing and continue to make it grow as we go here. We're now a company of two people, and hopefully one day we'll be a company of more than that. So that'll do it for this week. Keep on watching, and this is Lon Sybin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by my Patreon supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Black Eyed and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, John Prawl, William Miller, and Charlie Walden. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash Patreon to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.